in a world where brokenness often goes unnoticed. There are those who dare to bridge the gap between communities and provide care for the most vulnerable. Today on the Journey with Care podcast, we bring you a conversation that dives deep into the heart of this mission. On a previous episode, uncovering the history of the Canadian church, Dr. James Robertson shared his insights on reconciliation and the challenges faced by the church and the Indigenous people. And you can catch that episode right now if you want to go to journeywithcare.ca slash James. But now, in a fascinating turn of events, we find Dr. James Robertson in the role of the interviewer, engaging in a thought-provoking discussion with our host and co-founder of Care Impact, Wendy Park. But before we dive into their exchange, picture this, a technology that brings together churches, social service sectors, and the community, where genuine connections are forged to address the pressing needs of children and families. And where it's not just about resources, it's about transforming lives through meaningful relationships and connection. A technology that has become a catalyst for connection, empowering churches to create lasting impact within their communities. It exists and it will be part of the conversation today. We also get a bit into Wendy and Harold's story, driven by a desire to bridge the gap between the church and those in need. They saw the brokenness in society and recognized that the church had a role to play, a role beyond sporadic acts of goodwill. Wendy shares the nuances of engaging the church, the importance of slow-moving relationships, and the need to challenge prevailing mindsets. This is a conversation of hope, resilience, and breaking down barriers. It's about overcoming historical wounds, healing relationships, and embracing a shared purpose. So join us as we embark on a captivating exploration of Care Impact's mission, the challenges they face, and the transformative power of genuine care. From thought-provoking stories to theological perspectives, this conversation is a reminder that building bridges requires introspection, humility, and a commitment to genuine transformation. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and moved as we embark on this extraordinary journey with Wendy and Dr. James Robertson. Now let's get curious. The most important thing I wanted to get is an understanding of the care portal, care impact, and just can you talk a little bit about what it is that you've been doing, how you see the change of the community, or just explain to people who have no idea what it is, yeah, what you want them to know. Yeah. My husband and I started Care Impact back in, uh, well, we quit our jobs in 2013. We loved our jobs and we we started Care Impact, not because we were planning to start a, a nonprofit, but as we were doing some research across Canada for his dissertation, we realized wow, there's a lot of need in child welfare. Um, there's a lot of need within the church to connect to the needs within their community. I was working in community development and really loved it. I, I got a lot of joy out of seeing development and programs and, and reaching the needs of our community, children and families. But what really bothered me is where's the church? Hmm. Um, not in a let's parachute in and do some good and, and get out, but where's the church in relationship with the people that we were serving and my husband was in the prisons and uh, found the same thing. Like, where is the church before they get into prison? And a lot of them came through child welfare or or a lot of trauma and neglect. So we were exposed to a lot of that. But in our research, we found that there's just a lot of good assets across our country in good places. It was relatively complicated because child welfare is complicated. Um, people will say the system is broken, but 
I often saw as I was researching, I was saying like, you know what? Our society has brokenness, you know, and they're trying to clean things up. So Care Impact is really an organization that was birthed out of that, that research and really there to connect the church with the social service sector, with Indigenous people, with anybody that is doing things in the front line with children and families where there's um, needs within children and families. We've been building relationships with them and uh, connecting with churches and saying, hey, maybe we could sit around the table together. Uh, so connecting is our main thing of having these conversations. We like to talk about elephants in the sanctuary and say, how, how do we, we work with these things within our community? And so. So talking about these churches that are also zoos. So they're actually having physical elephants in the sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, like, nice. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, okay. What I like about this is it almost sort of sounds like we'll just say a church, like we'll yeah. put a, a hypothetical church here. And they're like, you know what? We should probably get involved in X. Would they reach out to you because you're like, oh, here are the people that are involved in X. There's like four different ones. Or do you like, so the church is like, okay, we'll kind of come in as a secondary. Either we're going to learn about this, we're going to resource it. We've got people, volunteers. Mm-hmm. Or is it more, do you find it's more like churches sort of like, we're wondering about this. Who should we talk to? And you see yourself as a bridge between that. How, it's kind of all but, of those things, yeah, actually. Okay. And that's, that's there's so many nuances when you're inviting the church to the table that, yes, there's there's some churches that are like eager to to meet the needs in their community. But then we also have to look at some of the approaches and how we do it. If they would knock on the, the door of child welfare, they would say, church, no, <laughs> you've, uh, you're have you part of residential schools. Like, no, thank you. Or what's your project? What's your hidden agenda? Um, there's a lack of trust across the board between the church and the state, between uh, indigenous people and, and settler Christians. And, and sometimes they're all good people, but we just haven't seen eye to eye. And we need to address those. That's an elephant in the in in the society that we need to start jumping at. And so we go there with the church and say, yeah, it's great that you want to help your community. And we think we can help you. Uh, we, we know an agency in your community mm-hmm. or a variety of frontline ministries. But let's look at understanding poverty and um, let's look at understanding culture and and reconciliation and so we have an academy side of it because we we realize that if we're going to bring the church to the doorstep of children and families who are actually wanting community, they're they're asking for it. We also have to do our due diligence in equipping the church to succeed because there's a lot of colonized mentality that a lot of times helping can hurt, and we don't want to perpetuate that. Uh, we want to bring awareness to to the church in a gentle way. We're not like hammering them and saying, oh, <laughs> the church sucks. We love the church, but the church as the institution has a lot of baggage that we often don't want to hear in our hallelujah kumbayas in the church because we, we're looking upward and like all the good, but we're not necessarily looking at the baggage we've come with historically, with residential schools, with even just white superiority and, mm. and the, the assumed power that we carry we don't know our own blind spots often, and it's not because of ill will most of the time. It's it's often just we don't know what we don't know. And so we have to have those conversations with the church. But uh, so, yeah, we have what we've done is uh, there's three ways that we've been working this out. Like our, our mission is to connect and equip the whole church. We're looking at all denominations. That's a whole nother <laughs> topic yeah, of like bringing sure. denominations together. So I'm having conversations with Catholics, with Anglicans, with Mennonites and non-denominational and Pentecostals. And we're saying, can we be the church and help the child? And 
Yes, we have different theological differences, but at the end of the day, it's the child and the family that need help that we're, we're kind of in these camps. And so we're bringing them together. So our whole mission is to connect and equip the whole church um, to work together, to journey well with community, mm. uh, with children and families, to journey with, not set up programs for, not establish a, a solution for. We're actually doing it in a different way. So one of the things that we have is a care portal. And the portal itself is designed so that the agency, the, the social worker, the one that knows where this child and family is in the community that has a need or a youth aging out that has no connections, uh, healthy connections within the community, they can put in a need for that child or that family. But let's face it, people are longing for community. So they will put that need in. Maybe it's a stroller so that they can bring their children to daycare so that mom can keep her job or or maybe it's a youth aging out and he needs a couch and, and just setting up. So they can put those needs in and it actually that portal will notify the participating churches, the ones that we're educating, the ones we're having those conversations with and developing relationship with. They will get that in real time and be able to say, oh, one point, whatever, from my my church or our community, there is a mom and a child that we can help bring reunification if we can wrap around them. But what we're telling the church is this isn't a Kijiji. This isn't a quick fix. Just go. It's not a resourcing issue. It's a connection issue. But we need to know how to effectively connect. We don't want to just say we wish you well and, oh, I hope things go well. We want to be able to go to the door and say, here's that car seat so that your your social worker can, can start that reunification process. And by the way, we're here in your community. If you need anything, just call. We've seen like people have baby showers after a, a young teen mom has a, has a baby. And we've seen youth connect for Thanksgiving and and have Thanksgiving with one of these families. It's not a prerequisite. Mm. We're just making introductions, kind of the old school way. We used to actually be in community and, and be able to stop in each other's house. Now we're just introducing each other. And so that's what the portal is able to do. But we equip the church in that saying, when you get these needs, let's not be weird about it. You know, like let's let's not make this a project or anything. Let's let's find ways to build meaningful connections because the fact is, yes, that youth aging out really does need connections, and it could be like, uh, some healthy connections could be their step away from potential gangs or the vulnerability that they they all face statistically. It, it's it's horrendous, but the fact is that the church needs that child too, yeah, uh, to save us from ourselves uh, because we don't know what we don't know. And yet when we can walk in the shoes of a, a youth or a mom or a grandma that just took in five kids suddenly, suddenly our heart of compassion looks different. And it's no longer like we're going to fix you or, or support and, oh, look at us. It's like, wow, I, I've actually experienced more of the love of God through that. And I, I've been challenged and my assumptions have been challenged. We're breaking racial lines, socioeconomic lines and things and bringing community together. And that's the greater good of the portal. It's not even the transactions. We say, actually, this isn't a transaction. It's actually opportunities to connect with your community. So is the portal predominantly online? Is yeah, it it's all online. Okay. Uh, right now, we're hoping to expand. Most of them are startups. Uh, Winnipeg is the place we pilot it, and social services and other organizations have been eager to see it grow. We want to see it grow coast to coast. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it's not the technology. We have the technology. It can do it. It's working, and it's great keeps all the stats and everything. And we can actually see some transparency in those transactions. So they're not just like 
<laughs> creepy Joe going going to somebody. We know what's happening with who and, and who's responding and things like that. So it it's something that social services is liking because now they actually have a system to be able to engage the community. And we are those middle people. So the technology is one thing, but it's really the relationship brokering. Yeah. That is our main work. The technology helps. So now we can scale it. But we do need to have those people that sort of translate between what social services is saying and needing and what the church is saying and who loves the church, but also is there to work with the systems. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of issues within our agencies and social services. I think everybody is aware of that. But I don't think that the system is the issue. It's people. And it's healing relationship by relationship. So then we have the Academy and then the podcast as well. We're collecting stories, uh, inviting people into our studio, this studio right here, and uh, letting people share their stories. And our audience is for the church and letting people share their stories that wouldn't have the pulpit, ones that have come through a lot or experience. We need to hear those stories because those are so transformative to help the church care better with more impact. And so we're, we're having a lot of fun. And it's never for a lack of stories. People want to share. Right. Uh, you're working with uh, denominations. Um, mm-hmm. So please, uh, which one's right? And which one's wrong? Yeah. Who, who's yeah. wrong? Who's, what is the one true church? Let's, uh, let's just the one true that. church. I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you, I mean, this is gonna be kind of, it, it's obviously already a leading question, but it's just sort of talk like the importance of the relationship, especially the church. I mean, when be one of the blind spots, I don't think you can really call it a blind spot, but there is a sort of, I get when somebody says like, what's your agenda, you know, is, is the ultimate goal that you're just like, yeah, maybe someone will start attending church, you know, you know, so they will bring in. And I don't think there's anything yeah. malicious in that. I think it yeah. might just be one of those un, unexamined MOs. That's just kind of one of those deep-seated sort of like, this is good. And not for necessarily selfish reasons, but like, wouldn't it be good? They can be part of this community. Yeah. They can learn about Jesus. And then, you know, not really necessarily taking the other side of it. Where is the importance on really just spending time in that slow moving at the speed of relationship? Like how? Oh, it's absolutely critical. And, and I think the barrier to getting there, though, with a lot of, I'll, I'll put myself in us white evangelicals. I'll, I'll put myself into there. And I've been dealing with other denominations too. So I, let's just say the broader church, because sure. I think it's a humanity issue. I think we need to put our theology in check. Um, one of the things that I noticed that, and I love theology and, and I recognize the differences among the denominations and, and that's okay. I actually mm. like the diversity and that we can challenge each other in different perspectives. I think that's good. The one thing that I, I do find challenging coming from doing my undergrad in overseas and being taught by others, when I come across here, there's a lot of white theology that goes unchecked. And there's there could be a lot of nuances in what we, do we believe about baptism or the sacraments and all these things, but there's a lot of predominance in colonized way of thinking that infiltrates into our theology. So how do I, I'll, I'll get to my point here about relationships. The one thing that I find challenging in my own walk here and and why do I think uh, relationships are so important? We need to check our theology because sometimes the good news in Canada, for one, the good news isn't God healed me. The doctor did. The good news isn't I have daily bread. The grocery stores right down the street. I've got social services. I've got places. One, and all of those are wonderful things. But the good news theologically isn't that it's good news today. It's good news because I have fire insurance. So we're always thinking mm. forward. 
And so what does that do to our praxis? It means that my neighbor, I've got to help them over there for their eternity, for over the, like beyond the current. Oh yeah, I know life sucks right now, but God is coming. The good news, you know, and like Jesus is coming. He's going to come and save that. When right now I have to challenge the church and say, but what is the good news right now when they are hungry, they are homeless, their families are breaking apart. And yet we're talking about tomorrow when God came to bring good news right now. So what does that look like? We have a problem as a church and it's a legit problem. It's not all the church's fault. If we really brought the theology of good news today, that we could be the hands and feet of Christ and we could actually bring social good news. And I think it's all integrated. We've, we've secularized it. That's another thing. But if good news was for now, we have a problem because I don't know who my neighbor is. Mm. I don't know which family is disintegrating. I don't know which youth is without a family. I don't know that there's a horrendous, horrendous abuse going on right next door. I don't know that there's a youth shelter down my street. It, it looks the same. Like I, I can't know. There's privacy acts and all these things. And there's good reason for privacy acts. But it's we're so private and individual that a, even a well-intentioned and informed church won't know how to help. At best, we do shoeboxes or backpack drives. And those are good intentions, but it's like hitting everything with a hammer when sometimes you need a screwdriver and a wrench and, a, and other, other tools to really see people as people and not a project and not a statistic. I've seen over the last three and a half years we've been running Care Portal. I've yet to see one identical need. Each child, each family is unique. Their, their circumstances are unique. And their social worker or the person working with them, they will see different needs with these individuals that maybe you and I wouldn't see as a need. One may need a phone. And I've had churches say, well, we don't need a phone. Like, that's just luxury, you know? Like, yep, if they're wanting to get a job. Absolutely. Right? Um, if they want to find their bus route. Connect. Anything, everything is everything. on. And then, and, but yet what right do I have that I use my phone all the time? I'm like way too glued to my phone and yet, yet others aren't. So, so we're teaching our churches not to vet those things that have been vetted, mm-hmm. that we're saying to respond to those needs. This is the gospel now. Maybe not the phone is like not the good news, but it is to that person who needs to find a hand up and genuinely feel cared for by the community, not with a track slipped in it. But simply to say, we are the church. Everybody knows we're a Christian organization. We are the church, yes. And if you ask us, I'll tell you why we do this. And hopefully we all have a good answer for that. But it needs to be good news for now. It's breaking those barriers because up until now, there hasn't been technology to cross those barriers. There isn't an organization. We've looked. (laughs) That's why we started it, because we weren't looking to start a nonprofit. We were like, there's got to be somebody in this space that can talk both things. Um, there's so many good organizations. There's tons of assets in all the cities across Canada, tons of programs and and oodles of resources being thrown thrown at these nonprofits and a lot of them doing good things, but they just don't communicate, mm. particularly with the church. And when we wanted to go into saying, hey, I think we are feeling called, look at the research on residential schools and the tie with the the church. We've got to do something. We've got to, like, nobody's talking about it in the sanctuaries. At least in my my tradition and and the circles I was in, why isn't anybody talking about this? Mm-hmm. I was warned by very prominent leaders saying, 
oh, that's nice, but just don't go there. That just gets messy. Mm. Just just talk about children and families, but let's not go into the TRC or reconciliation because that's just another thing that's more political. And I'm like, reconciliation is the gospel. Reconciliation is so central to the Bible. And yet somehow we've tailored that out in whatever denomination, it's been easy to tailor it out. We we curate our own narrative, right? We curate our own theologies and to our convenience, because that hurts. Like, I, I've seen people squirm, but fortunately, God gave me the gift of making people squirm. And I don't mind that because I think we need to go there. It's not a condemning thing. It's just like, if we're going to find healing, let's not pathologize the indigenous. Let's not pathologize the one that can't keep the job or the homeless, the, the cycle of poverty. Let's pathologize the church and see, okay, where is this stemming from? Hmm. And why aren't we effective hmm. in our ministries? Why is it us and them? Why can't it be we? And uh, I want to see a lot more collaboration, we-ing, if you call that, uh, with people. <laughs> but I think we can do a lot more togetherness, but people are scared in the church because they think they'll get the cooties. But I, that is problematic because people, the church wants to care, but not with them. Right. Or not with this denomination. Or we don't really see eye to eye on these things. Or not with this agency because they're not faith believing. And yet they are right there with the children and families. And yet we've got to come around the table. And I was speaking to a large auditorium of social workers and social services one time. And this is early on. And for whatever reason, I get through relationships, actually, I was invited to speak there. And they introduced me basically as the church lady. And you should have seen, the, you could have heard a pin drop because they just had a like a comedian, literally a professional comedian come on stage and they were entertaining as a PD day. And, and now we're going to have this church lady come up and I'm like, oh God, what am I doing here? But we really had a moment of connection. One, I addressed the elephant in the room. I said, you're probably wondering why a church lady's here talking to a bunch of social services. Yeah, the churches, sometimes we've messed up, right? Our history. This is awkward, isn't it? I just addressed it because I'm like, I could almost feel it in the room. And I said, you know what? But in this room, what I see, we're a bunch of diverse people. You, You cheer for this team. I cheer for that team politically. And like, we have so much diversity here. But I said, why are we all here together? I said, because we love the child. We want the best for the child and family. And they're like, yeah. They actually helped birth the care portal here in Canada because I said to them, I said, I want to turn the table to you. I said, tell me what's on your plate right now on your desk. You guys are all way overworked and tired. I see what you're doing and you're like, you work tirelessly, but what's on your plate right now that goes above and beyond social work, that community could step in if they were trained, if they could be your ally and they weren't swearing at you or or talking behind your back or putting you on media, what would that look like? And I got them to actually literally write those things down on pieces of paper around their table. And then we compiled all the information from like 30 tables and compiled them. And it came down to about 95 unique recommendations of how the church could actually care in community without taking their jobs away that they were doing above and beyond. Then we said, okay, we need technology to be able to to work with these things. I said, if we can help you with those things, and if I can find you churches, because I was indirectly, I was like, hey, you should talk to so-and-so. And oh, here's a basement that this family could be reunified. And 
we were doing this just sort of relationally. And so that's how we we started working with them. But all that to say is that there is diversity, but we often think we're going to get cooties and and who suffers the most is the child and the family. They don't get the care they need because we're still hung up on not quite aligning with our the next door neighbor. And nobody does, right? I, I always say we just got to get over ourselves and adult here and work with children and families. So to say uh, care impact just slaughtering elephants in the streets of winnipeg since 2013 <laughs> hey thank you for joining us if you've been moved by today's conversation we invite you to continue the exploration listen to dr james robertson's previous episode where we interviewed him at journeywithcare.ca slash james where he uncovers the history of the canadian church and its reconciliation with indigenous communities but that's not all we want to hear from you. Keep the conversation going on our website by leaving a voice message or starting a text conversation on our episode pages. Your thoughts and insights matter. Journeywithcare.ca. Remember to connect with us and let's get curious together. Journey with Care.